That's it. Now, here is today's message. Good morning, beloved. My name is Davis Bamigboe. I want to welcome you warmly to church today. I'm so delighted to be able to share the word of God with you. Today, I'll be starting a topic, which is part of the series that we've been starting for the past couple of weeks. But this topic, I'll be talking about the sanctified mind. If you will recall, last week, I spoke about sanctification from the point of view of the body. And two weeks ago, I spoke about sanctification as it pertains to our spirit. I did mention in two weeks, two weeks ago, when I preached the message about the fact that the believer is sanctified 100% in the eyes of God. And what that means is that as a child of God, giving your life to Jesus, God sees you 100% holy as himself. And you know, that might sound like heresy, but that is the truth as far as God is concerned. And I said, the reason why God could declare you holy like himself is because God gave you the spirit of Jesus Christ. When you became born again, it was the spirit of Jesus Christ himself that came into you. That spirit of Jesus Christ came into your spirit and therefore made your spirit to become alive to God. And therefore you have a spirit now that can relate to God, that, that is open to God, that can hear the voice of God. Praise God. In the book of John chapter 3, a man named Nicodemus came to Jesus and said, What must I do to enter into the kingdom of God? And Jesus Christ said, unless you are born of the spirit and of the word, you cannot enter into the kingdom of God. In fact, he said, unless you are born of the spirit, you cannot perceive the kingdom of God. So essentially he's saying, unless you are born of the spirit of God, you cannot perceive the reality of the kingdom, which means the reality of the kingdom of God is based on the spiritual reality. Now, what is spirit or what is a spiritual reality? Well, a spiritual reality is something that is not physical, which means God wants you to relate to him or relate to the world as it were, you know, from the point of view of the spiritual reality, which means whatever it is in the spirit is more real as far as God is concerned than what you can see in the physical, which means everything that you see in the physical today comes from a spiritual reality that your physical eyes cannot see. Now, this kind of call that God has called us to do requires us to begin to walk with God by faith. So last week, I delved into the realm of the body and I said, God wants you to possess your body in holiness, which means uh, God wants you to live a life that is devoid of any sexual defilement. So we know that 1 Thessalonians chapter, chapter um, 5 verse 24 says that God wants us to be sanctified holy spirit soul and body so we know we are spirit being we have a soul and we live in the body so today i'm going to be talking about the sanctified mind let us pray almighty god i thank you because you're faithful and wonderful and kind and beautiful thank you that the the, the issue about the mind is so big so enormous but Lord, help me to be able to share the truth of your word with your precious people today in a way that they will grasp it that even all the exercises that we are going to do that these exercises will become real to them as they put them to use. I pray that these words, O Lord Almighty God, will go into their heart and set them free in Jesus' name, that they will be able to renew their minds based on the immutable truth of the word of God. They will be able to renew their minds based on what is already real to you in the spirit. Thank you, wonderful Father. 
in Jesus' name we pray. All right, praise God forevermore. Remember that we have been looking at the uh, the life of Joshua in the book of Joshua and how Joshua took over from Moses in Joshua chapter 1 and in Joshua chapter 2 and then uh, Joshua sent the spies to go to Jericho to go and spy the land and in, in Joshua chapter 3 now Joshua is about to cross the Jordan and um, but there are some lessons that God wants us to learn in the crossing the Jordan that we have been looking at for a couple of weeks now in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 after God has given Joshua instructions on what to do to cross the land God now said to Joshua and you go, God said to Joshua it's time for you to go now Joshua then says something in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 which is the basis of the text he says in Joshua chapter 3 verse 5 the Bible reads then Joshua said to the people sanctify yourself for his purpose for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders or miracles among you and I said that when he used the word sanctified sanctify yourself you know the Bible seemed to link being sanctified to the expectation of wonders happening in our lives so and i said if you are a sanctified person which means if you are born again you are already sanctified sanctified means to be set apart if you are already set apart to god it means god expects you to have an expectation of the miraculous or wonders happening in your life so now when we look at this scripture joshua 3 5 says sanctify yourself for the lord will do wonders among you now if you were to take this old covenant statement of joshua and put it within the new testament parlance how might we say it well as i began to study what came to me is what i have on the on the screen here or what i'm just rehashing i want you to read it i said if i am joshua and i'm reading this i'm saying this sentence to the people of god now in light of the death the burial and the resurrection of jesus christ in light of what he has achieved for us the way i will render joshua 3 5 will go this way you are already a sanctified people of god now sanctify your mind so that you can enjoy the wonders that christ already purchased for you by his precious blood what this is saying is saying <laughs> if i'm asking the children of god today to sanctify themselves i'm not going to be talking about them sanctifying themselves in their spirit because they are already sanctified in their spirit they are already like god in their spirit in which areas will i want them to sanctify themselves in the area of the mind and in the area of the body in the area of the body i spoke last week about keeping yourself pure from defilement especially sexual sins sexual defilement but today i want to talk about sanctified mind what does it mean to have a sanctified mind well a scripture that tells us exactly what joshua 3 5 says in the new covenant is in romans chapter 12 verse 2 the bible here says i'm reading this from the kjv version right now it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may be able to prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of god when you look at this text he's saying do not be conformed there is a command that is asking you not to do something if you if you parlay that with joshua 3 5 you see that joshua says sanctify yourself here the bible says do not be conformed do not be conformed to the way of the world which means set yourself apart so you see therefore not conforming to the world is a way of sanctifying ourselves praise god but how do we do that go back to that test the test says be transformed by the renewing of your mind so it seems to me that god says the way to become transformed 
the way to be able to set yourself apart from the way of the world is through the renewal of your mind. Bible says when you do that, you are going to be able to prove, you are going to be able to manifest the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. So, let's start unpacking this text. Praise God. You know the word, be not conformed. God is saying, you need to do something. Don't yield to the mold. Don't become molded yeah, by the way of the world. The way they think, the way they speak, their thought process, their mannerism. Don't allow yourself to be molded. Don't allow yourself to be molded. Or don't copy the ways of doing things in the world. Don't conform. Don't conform. Now, that word conform, I got went to do the research on it. And the Greek word for that is the word suskematizo. 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 And you know what it means? It means to fashion self according to <laughs> to fashion self according to <laughs> what does that even mean it seemed to me that he's saying you have the ability to allow yourself to fashion yourself according to the pattern of another now you see this sentence do not be conformed shoes kematizo in greek essentially is placing a responsibility on the believer he said you do not allow yourself to be molded don't allow yourself to fashion your own self to the pattern of another god essentially is saying if you start picking up the mannerism of the world it's your fault it's not the fault of the people around you it's not the fault of the people who are speaking into your life it's your fault it's your fault don't be conformed and and i'm so grateful to god that when he said don't be conformed when he said don't yield to the way of the world, it gave you a plan, a way on how to do it, which is what I'm going to be walking through today in today's message. So it says, set yourself apart. Don't allow your mind and your character to be formed or molded to another person's way of thinking or their behavior. Now, which means you got to choose who you allow to mold you, which means there might be things coming left, right and center. But the ability for that thing to shape you and change you and mold you entirely lies in your hand. But is God placing too much responsibility on me? You may ask. Of course not. Because God made you like himself. God made you like God himself. Now, you know that nobody can make God to do something unless God wants to do it. The same is true for you. Nobody can make you a fool unless you allow it. Nobody can make you a failure unless you allow it. Nobody can make you a junk unless you allow it. Nobody can make you a drug addict unless you allow it. Nobody can make you um, a, a, you know, um, a, a sexual abuser unless you, are not, uh, uh, unless you allow it. Why am I saying this? If you are born again, if you are born again, God already translated you from the kingdom of darkness into his own life. God already impacted to you his own spirit. But the responsibility for that spirit to work in your life is by you cooperating with God. Praise God. You know, in the Garden of Eden, in Genesis chapter 3, even when the devil came to trick Eve, to trick Eve it was because Eve agreed to what the devil said. That's how Eve was able to fall. The devil could say anything he wants to say. It is by agreeing with what the devil says that the devil has an upper hand in anybody's life. You know, the same thing, the same 
temptation that Eve faced, Jesus Christ faced the same thing in the book of Matthew chapter 3 when the devil was coming to Jesus Christ and said, if you are the son of God, turn stones to bread and so on and so forth. You know, Jesus Christ kept saying, it is written. Which means, Christ said, I'm not going to listen to your bunker. I'm not going to listen to your, your, your BS. I am going to stand on what the word of God says. Praise God forevermore. So now God is saying, I cannot walk in your life unless you give me the permission to walk in your life. The devil can also not walk in your life unless you give him the permission to walk in your life. No one can make you do anything or even do anything in your life without your permission. But where do we give the permission? We give the permission in the realm of the mind. Because when a thought comes to you and you don't cast it down, you don't send it away, that thought will take root in your heart. When that thought takes root in your heart, after a while, that thought will begin to take you over. You know, the thought pattern of the world comes to us in different ways. It might come through to you through the media, especially through the media. You're watching the news, you are a word, you listen to some songs, and these things come to you, a flood of them come to you all the time. If you don't set up a barrier in your heart, or you don't have a method to throw those things away, they can take you over. And the Bible says the way to conform is by gradually fashioning yourself after the way of the people. Let me give you an example. Let's say you go you get into a new company and you have a way of doing things by yourself. But every other person is doing things, they are doing things in a particular way. If you are not if you are not strong in yourself or strong in the Lord and, on, and hold your position, gradually because you want to belong in the group you don't want to feel rejected you start to pattern your thought your behavior based on the rest of the world of, of the people and that's what they call the herd effect h-e-h-e-r-d the herd effect essentially says uh, because everybody is following in a particular direction you just want to go with them because it's easier you know and therefore if you decide to move out of out of the earth and say you want to stand alone you feel alone you feel ridiculed and nobody wants to stand alone nobody likes to be alone and to feel ridiculed and that's why ultimately we allow ourselves to be molded you know to the group thinking you know to be a change agent in the world you cannot conform to group thinking group thinking essentially means everybody is thinking in the same way all right and because they're thinking in the same way to, to be different means that you have to think in, the, in a different way. Now, when God called us to be Christian, he called us to be anti-culture, which means the culture of the world may be thinking this way. God called you to think in the other direction. <laughs> Praise God. Why? Because the difference between the world as in the globe and the word of God, W-O-R-D, is the word L. And I told you before, God showed me, told me this and said, the difference between the, the word system and the word system is letter L. And letter L stands for lies. Everything that the word system talks about <laughs> is riddled with lie. And who is the father of lie? The Bible calls the father of lie the devil, which means the world system is run today by, the, by demonic power. But guess what? In the middle of this world, God placed you and I to dominate. I'm so thankful that God placed us in the middle of the world to dominate because the Bible says we are in the world, but we are, we are not of the world. What that means is me and you, you know, we are in the world. We physically live here, don't we? 
but we are not of the world. We are made of a different nature. We are made of a different material that is not based on the material that the world system runs on. And the material that we are made of by the power of God is the word of God. The Bible says we have been reborn by the by the word of God that lives forever. We were given birth to by the word of God. It is the word of God that gave birth to us, which means the material of your life and the material of my life is the word of God. Praise God. And because that is the, the material upon which my life is based upon, when I begin to pattern my life around the word, around the nature of the word of God, that is already my nature in my spirit, I will begin to get result. So every single day, you must understand that life will present you with options. But ultimately, the responsibility to choose lies with you. You are going to be faced with choices every day. Are you going to choose life or are you going to choose death? There is no middle ground unfortunately. You cannot choose God and choose the devil at the same time. Now you have to choose the way of God and stay with the way of God and get a result. Let me show you a scripture. Romans chapter 6 verse 16 says, don't you realize that grace frees you to choose your own master. Bible you say grace of God frees you to choose your own master. But choose carefully. Choose carefully for you surrender yourself to become a servant bound to the one you choose to obey. The Bible says when the voice comes to you, the voice that you choose to obey becomes your master. The voice of God tells you to do this and you flow with the word of God. That begins to rule your life. The word of the enemy comes to you and says you should go this way. That begins to ruin your life. So we always have a choice to make. God doesn't want you to be molded to the pattern of thinking or behavior of the word. Don't be conformed, he says. Don't be conformed. Don't allow yourself to be molded you know, to the way of the word. The Passion Translation renders this particular text, Romans chapter 12 verse 2, the beginning part, it renders it this way, it says, stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. You know what, you know what the culture is? Culture is the attitude, attitude and the behavioral pattern and the way of doing things among a group of people. So for example, I, I, I am a Yoruba man and I came from a part of the Yoruba culture. There's a way in which we behave. For example, we are very respectful people. You know, we don't talk to people anyhow. When we wake up in the morning, we greet those who are older than us in a particular way. That's a culture. Now, the Bible says the, the world system that is based on lies, remember, it also has a culture. That culture is totally anti-God. <laughs> no matter how it is painted, no matter the veneer that it might, be, it might put in front, the culture of the world is totally anti-God. And God says, don't allow yourself to be molded to the opinions of the culture around you. Don't allow yourself to be squeezed into the mold that is of this world that is coming to an end. How does the Bible expect you to do this? The Bible talks about the renewing of the mind. The Bible essentially is saying, if your mind is set apart, your mind is sanctified, then that what it means is that you are going to renew your mind based on the immutable truth of the word of God. Now, let's go back to that text Romans chapter 12 verse 2 Romans chapter 12 verse 2 in the KJV says be not conformed to this word I've spoken about conformed then there's a colon there's a colon there that says how do you not conform to this word sanct by what by by renewing your mind by being transformed 
as you renew your mind. So the only way for you not to conform to the way the world thinks or the way of the world is to do what? Is to renew your mind. As you renew your mind, you become transformed, okay? And then when you do that, you are going to be able to prove that which is the good and the perfect will of God. All right, so now let's go back to that. That word renew is from the Greek word anakinosis, 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 and it means renovation, renovation or complete change for the better. Now, the picture that came to me that I want to use to describe this is imagine you have a building. You have a building that is built on a particular year. That building looks good when it was built, all right? But after a while, the building was left to rot or left unattended to, there was no maintenance culture as it were. After a while, 15, 20 years down the line, the building was not as beautiful as it was. Why? Because the building was not renovated. But let's assume that you want to get people to start renting that building and making the building uh, open to the public. You then get some money, right? And you get a lick of paint, you put paint everywhere, you change the furniture, you change the drapes, you change the carpet, you 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 do the, the garden, the, you know, and makes every, everywhere looks good. Now you have renovated the, the, the building. Praise God. When the Bible talks about renewing the mind, it's talking about renovate your mind, you know, renew your mind, change it for the better. Change it for the better. Now, what that is exactly what it is. Now, let me, how do we apply this to you? Okay, imagine that the day you gave your life to Jesus, God gave you a mind, the mind of Christ. God gave you the mind of Christ. So let's assume you, you, got, you got born again, born again in 1969. You you know, God gave you a new a mind. God did not save your mind, but He gave you a mind that is. You have a mind that is open to the reality of the truth of the Word of God. But let's say, since you got born again, you never spent time in the world. You never hang on, hang out with people of God. You never bother to pray. You never bother to read your Bible. You know, just hanging in there. Trust me, one hundred percent. Because your mind cannot be a blank. Something is going to come. Your mind cannot be blank. Rather, something is going to come into that mind and fill it up. There's a law of nature that I want to reiterate here. There's a law of the universe. It says, nature abhors vacuum. Nature abhors vacuum. Which means in nature, there cannot be a vacuum. It's not possible. Which means if you have a place that's a vacuum, something is going to fill it. If your body gain and you were made re, 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 new in Christ Jesus Christ, in Christ Jesus in your spirit, and you never bothered to uh, uh, fill your mind with the word of God. Trust me, something else is filling that mind. And something that is filling that mind is going to look years down the line, your mind will, will have picked up the ways of the world's thinking. And though you are claiming to be a Christian, you are even speaking in tongues, but there is no benefit of that in your life because you are not renewing your mind to the way of the word of God, to the truth of the word of God. Praise God. Now, there's a picture I have on the screen. For those of you who are listening to this on the podcast, I've got this picture of a restaurant that was built or that was effective or available in 1969. All right. Beautiful place, beautiful picture. Now, in 2019, that's about 30 or 40 years later, that op- that same building looks totally derelict. What happened there? It's just a picture to show you could have something good here without a maintenance culture, a, renov- a renovation, a continuous renovation every single year. That thing is going to fall apart. If you treat your mind like that building, you know, if you don't renovate it, you don't renew it based on the word of God, 
then your mind would be like this building falling apart not helping you and then you're gonna have anxiety you're gonna have sickness come on you you're gonna have a panic attack you're gonna have fear you're gonna have all the things that of the world the things that god already delivered you from those things are going to be operating in your life why because you are not renewing your mind with the word of god god wants me to tell you that a renewed mind is sanctified a renewed mind is a sanctified mind and a sanctified mind is a mind that is changing is its disposition based on the truth of what the word of god says not based on what the world system says praise god romans chapter 2 verse chapter 12 verse 2 in the passion translation says stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you but be inwardly transformed by the holy spirit through a total reformation of how you think do you did you notice that god says the way for you to be changed the way for you to be metamorphosed or change <laughs> is through the way you think is how you think but how does god want you to think god wants you to think his thought after him god wants you to say his words after him god wants you to pattern your life after his own ideals god wants you to think the way he thinks in every situation praise god forevermore so as you think like god thinks you are going to be experiencing the beauty of what god has in store for you okay let's go back to the game romans chapter 12 verse 2 in the kjv version now i want to show you something that is really beautiful there's a scripture i found here that really helped me i'm going to read that romans 12 2 it says do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove you may prove what is the good the acceptable and perfect will of god now here is a question who is meant to prove the good the perfect the acceptable will of god it's not god it's you the bible says you may prove it but how do you prove it as you renew your mind you are able to prove the good and the perfect and the, the perfect will of god but the word prove what does it mean that word prove actually means to see whether a thing is genuine or not what he's saying here is before you discard that the way of god doesn't work put it to use you start to renew your mind with the word of god and then you will prove to yourself that the word of god works that thinking god's thought after him always brings result praise god so it is by renew our minds that we are able to manifest the good the acceptable and the perfect will of god you to get the perfect will of god the acceptable will of god to manifest in your life you have to renew your mind all right in line with the word of god so this means to me that the word the, the, the word of god works on our mind to change us praise god even though in the spirit we are already 100 like god in our bodies we can feel pain we can feel joy whatever but in our mind in our minds is our through our minds that the word of god in our spirit bubble through our mind and enables us to be able to take action to get results in our lives so the mind is the medium through which god moves the mind is also the medium through which the devil moves now how does the mind receive interpretation well what i want to show you quickly quickly here before i answer that question uh shortly is i want to play a video to uh, to you for you so rather uh, it's going to be about 10 minutes video that video is from one of my mentors his name is andrew womack he has something that he, he had a video an animation that he did on spirit soul and body I think it's going to bless you because it's going to tell you the demarcation between spirit the soul and the body all right the spirit the soul and the body all right so please uh, stay tuned watch the video and i'll be back after the video god bless you
Hello, this is Andrew Womack, and I'm going to be talking about uh, spirit, soul, and body, which may not sound the most exciting thing to you on the surface, but to me, this is one of the most exciting things that the Lord has ever shown me. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is so obvious. We are made up of a spirit, soul, and body. And the body is very obvious. If you go look in a mirror, that's the part that you see. Now you would be speaking to my soul, which is my mental, emotional part. Some people define soul as your mind, will, and emotions, and I think that that certainly is true. I don't think that it's all-inclusive. There's more to it. I believe that your conscience is a part of your soul. Your soul certainly includes your mental, emotional part. Uh, I believe it's what most people call their personality. If I was to touch your physical body, you can feel that. But I can also touch you by words, and it can touch your emotions. It can either make you glad or sad. It can make you angry. Uh, you can say words and hurt a person. So the body and the soul are two areas that every one of us are in touch with constantly. But the spirit part of us is a totally different matter. Jesus said this in John chapter 3 when he says, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. And there is no direct connection between the two. You cannot in a physical, natural way feel your spirit. The spirit cannot be accessed in any natural way, and herein lies one of the great problems in the Christian life. The spirit is the part of us that God communicates with, and the spirit is the part of us that all of the life and the power of God flows through. In James chapter 2, verse 26, the scripture there says, as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. And that just makes it very clear that the life-giving part of you is the Spirit. One of the greatest keys to walking with the Lord, for me, has been to understand this reality of spirit, soul, and body, that the spirit realm cannot be seen or felt. The only way to discern what is spiritual truth is through the Bible to just take it and believe it. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, verse 63. He says, the flesh profits nothing. It's the spirit that quickens. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. It's revealing to us spiritual reality. And if you want to know what your spirit is like, then you have to go to God's Word to find it out. You can't just go by an emotion, by some type of perception. You have to go to God's Word. Here's another passage of Scripture in James chapter 1, and in verse 23 it says, For if any be a hearer of the Word and not a doer, he is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass. This is talking about a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty, talking about God's word, specifically the revelation of the gospel, 
and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful here, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. This passage of scripture is likening the Bible unto a mirror that you look in to see your spiritual face, to see what you are in the spirit. You with your eyes have never looked directly into your face. You've always looked at a reflection or a representation, but you've gotten to where you trust that. Well, the Word of God is a perfect reflection of what spiritual truth is. You can't sit there and say, well, I think that, you know, all my mascara is on and that my face is fixed, my hair is combed, I'm ready to go. You can't go by how you feel. You have to go look in that mirror and then you trust what you see. Well, it's the same thing with the Word of God. The Word of God gives you a perfect picture of who you are in your spirit. And it's the only way. All right, so thank you very much for watching that video. I hope it has been uh, quite illuminating for you. Now, over the next 10 minutes, I want to run through a practical way in which you can then put this to use. Remember, I asked a question before, how does the Lord want us to renew our mind? What process has God put in place for you and I to renew our mind? Well, let's go back to Romans 12, 2 again. It's our main text today. In the Passion Translation, he says, Stop imitating the, the ideals and opinions of the culture around you. I've covered that before earlier. But what does he expect you to do? But be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation or renewal of how you think. So we see here, God expects a change in our lives as we surrender to the way of thinking of the Holy Spirit. But what method does the Holy Spirit use to help us to change our minds? It is true, the Word of God. It is it's true, the Word of God. So when thoughts come to your mind that contradicts the Word of God, the Holy Spirit will bring to your remembrance the truth of the Word of God. So you can use that to counter the lies of the enemy. Remember, when thoughts come to your mind, your, th your mind cannot um, have vacuum, right? So when thoughts come to your mind, is it that you allow that thought to simmer and take you over? Or you take that thought and throw it away? So I'm going to show you a practical example or a practical way in which you can do that today. And then you can that begin to apply that to every area of your lives. Every area of your life. Praise God. James chapter 1 verse 21 says, the engrafted word of God is able to save our souls. You see, the Bible uses the word souls. Soul is the soul is the realm of the mind, the realm of the will, the realm of the emotion, the realm of the intellect. That's where the soul is. The Bible says it is the engrafted word of God that can save our souls, which means is the word of God that is engrafted deep in your heart that can save your soul. Not the word of God you know in your head. This is why this is very crucial. You know the word engrafted means you take a tree you implant another one inside god is saying to you the engrafted word of god can save your soul salvation of the soul only happens through the mind renewer but also but really through the application of the word of god in our lives so remember we are already saved eternally in our spirit we're going to heaven Praise God. But today in our soul, in, our, in the realm of the mind, in the realm where we used to engage the world and do things and do amazing things for the Lord, how can we get saved in that area? 
we get saved in that area through the word of God that is engrafted in our heart. So as our heart en- embraces the word of God and is planted deep in our heart, that word of God will begin to change our lives. Praise God. I think there's a scripture in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 4, I believe it's in verse 12. The Bible says the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it can divide between spirit and soul. So you have the spirit, you have the soul. In between the spirit and the soul, you have a place called the heart. It's not the, it's not the, the chest, the heart, the, the physical organ that is pumping your chest. No, the heart is this. It's like it can be synonymous to the subconscious mind. You know, it's the real you. You know, the spirit of God is the real you, but the heart is also a place where the word of God goes into. Remember, the spirit of God is now in your spirit. And you have a soul that is still open and takes impulses, impetus from the world, right? But where the change really happens is in between that, is the place of the heart. And that heart is where the word of God goes into. Now, the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. So as you, as you see yourself in your heart, so you become. As you meditate about yourself in your heart, that's what you are going to produce. So as a man thinks in his heart, so that person becomes yeah you become what you see yourself in your heart the way you think about yourself in your heart okay and that's the reason why the word of god goes to the heart and changes it how does he do that through a process of repetition the word of god that you repeat to yourself over and over and over again begins to change your life and exactly it's the same way the word of the devil or the word of the media or the word of your friends or the negative conversation of the world that you repeat over and over and over to yourself will begin to take your life in the other direction so you see the choice really is yours will you take the word of god implant it into your heart rehash it to yourself over and over and over again until your life begins to pattern and be molded uh, physically in the physical reality along the pathway of god or are you going to allow your heart to be saturated with the falsehood of the word the choice is really up to you there's a concept i want to talk to you quickly about before i do the practical example it's called the tear concept the tear concept is a concept that i came to know i came to be aware of you know by myself <laughs> and uh, i have not written a book about it yet but i'm going to do that in, in, the, in the future but the tear concept goes like this t stands for thoughts e stands for emotions a stands for actions and r stands for results and the tear concept is premised on the fact that when a thought comes into your mind when you ponder that thought over and over and over again if you don't do anything with the thought you don't throw it away you don't say no i don't want you just like jesus christ did to satan and said no get it behind me and implant another truth of the word of god in it if you don't do anything with that thought that thought will generate emotions in your body the emotion could be fear it could be anxiety you literally have emotions running in, in your body it could be fear in your heart it could be even goosebumps it could be fear and panic attack right because you didn't handle the thought it will create emotions in your body now emotions will lead you to take action when emotions when an emotion is left unchecked it will take you to take action 100 percent and brothers and sisters when you take action you are going to get results so let us apply that to a simple concept let's say for example you're walking along the road and somebody says to you um, abuses you in a bad way maybe they say hey you know you're a fool or you look like gorilla or whatever somebody say some nasty words to you the words come to you through your ear gate you heard the word the word will go into your heart and you to stay there 
it will go into your mind or to your soul soul realm first it's going to your soul realm for if when it gets into your soul realm you take the word of god and say no god i'm created in i'm created in the image and likeness of god even though i may not look beautiful on the physical i'm beautiful inside and god loves me if you don't deal with that thought process with the word of god like that it's going to settle the more you think about it it will settle the more you think about it it will settle and after a while you get so angry that how could he call me a gorilla how could he call me this how could he call me that and then it will release an emotion in your body what kind of emotion anger in this case you become angry you want to punch somebody in the face now if you become so angry and you don't have a place to let it out let's, let's say the person has gone you can't you, you don't even you can't even find the person again the person doesn't doesn't stay in your neighborhood you see somebody that you maybe you met in the car or you met, met in the train the person has gone now you can't go back and meet that person and punch them in the face right but this emotion of anger is still sitting on the ground now you have to find a way to let that out because when emotions run rife it leads to action so what do you do you become an angry person any small thing you just flip up any small thing you just flip up you are now reacting you are punching people you are you're 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 behaving in a way that doesn't make any sense you you have allowed that emotions now to have it let out which is through some sort of action now if that action does the actions you've taken there is left unchecked you're going to get a result maybe you don't have friends <laughs> or maybe you get locked up in prison or you you get labeled with all sort of things and then you get that result and then because you've gotten that result now that's come out of your life it becomes a vicious circle because now you're saying you have to say i am a bad person i'm not a good person right because you have produced results in your life that you don't want to produce right but now because you produce it now you label yourself based on the result you say i'm a failure i'm a no good person but do you know where this 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 old journey came from it came from a thought that you left unchecked it came from a thought that you left unchecked. So the answer to getting a different result in your life is by choosing the thought that you think about. Praise God. All right. Now, let me give you my seven-step technique that I developed to help you to overcome nasty thoughts. This technique is based on 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. The Bible says, we can demolish every deceptive fantasy that opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. When the Bible talk about fantasy there, it's talking about citadels of argumentation. You know, we, we, we demolish every citadel of argument that opposes the knowledge of God that opposes the true word of god in our lives so when god says you are beautiful and another word comes to say you are not you're ugly we demolish that thought but how do we do that the bible says that we capture such thoughts like prisoners of war we put them in a prison to obey the voice of god so my method i'm going to share with you now over the next five minutes is to show you how to do that now i've developed a method called seven r the seven r of personal transformation and the first r stands for reviewing the lie the second r stands for receive the truth the third r stands for reflect on the truth the fourth uh, r stands for repent the lie the fifth r stands for replace the lie the sixth one stands for respond to the truth 
and the last one stands for rejoice in the truth okay all right review the lie here you assess what you have believed the lie you have believed is it where, where is it coming from what is its source all right why did you believe it that's the first R. the second one is you receive the truth you open up your heart to believe the truth that god says instead of the truth instead of the lie that the enemy has said you you receive that truth you open up your heart and say this is what god says i might not feel it right now but i believe it okay then you meditate on that truth you you, you imagine that truth being real in your life and, and and experience how it will feel if that truth is actually true in your life all right you you meditate on it you ponder on it you you allow your imagination to settle on that word and say this word of god is true for me i believe it all right you mull it over in your heart over and over and over once you've done that you then agree in your heart that the lie that you have believed is wrong and does not define you you must have to make that agreement now because you now have the truth you now say hey no this doesn't define me i refuse to accept it right then the next thing is you now replace the lie remember i said earlier the law of nature says nature abhors vacuum nature abhors vacuum nature hates vacuum so because nature hates vacuum you have to replace this lie now with the truth of the word of god okay now this is where you do your emphatic affirmation right then the, the sixth one is respond to the truth now because you've made this emphatic declaration what i would then ask you to do at that point in time is to journal what god is telling you based on the truth that you now know journal what god is telling you what what new truth have you received how does that make you feel how does that mean how, how has that empowered you praise god and after that you begin to rejoice begin to be thankful because the change is happening in your life now this i must warn you you must stay consistent you must do it you know in order for you to get a result okay so i've got a, a a an example here that i want to show you so just practice that and then we'll close the service praise god let's take an example there's an example here of god what is going to stop what is going to stop tragedy from happening to me now a person who thinks like this or a person who embraces this kind of thought process is a person who believes in fatalism instead of believing in faith the best person is not walking by faith so let's review the lie the first i review the lie what is the source of this thought pattern why did you believe this thought pattern is it because you have watched a movie where someone lost all of their loved ones and you thought oh what if that happened to me <laughs> you know when you watch this movie now if i were you i would switch up such movie i won't watch it right okay right so or perhaps you had a rough time growing up or perhaps you lost your parent you lost your parent when you were young and you're afraid oh because this happened to my parent what if it happened to me um or your parent got divorced and you're essentially afraid of what, what they call a repetition of something that happened to your parent happening to you okay whatever it is there's a place where that thought came from you need to think of why did i believe that okay so once you understand the reason why i believe this is because of this movie that i watch or because of so so and so that happened to somebody that i'm afraid might happen to me now let you then step into step two just okay let's now look at the truth what does the word of god say about this what does the word of god say about tragedy happening to me well the bible says in psalm 23 verse 6 in the passion translation the bible says so why will i fear the future only goodness and tender love pursue me all the days of my life that's it the bible says only goodness and tender love pursue you all the days of your life see so when goodness and mercy is put when goodness and mercy are pursuing you how can you be afraid of tragedy happening to you you see now you've taken the truth of the word of god now you have applied it to the lie that the enemy has said 
and then what are you going to do reflect on that truth now you you begin to ask the question if goodness and tender love follows me follow me sorry and they pursue me what does that mean what does that mean to me it means i can only expect goodness and mercy right that's what it means because that's what the bible says the bible says this thing pursue me that means everywhere i go i find them behind me all around me i imagine myself walking and they're running after me say come 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 we we love you come come, come, come. we embrace you you know that is what it is now relish that feeling enjoy it enjoy the fact that you know goodness and mercy support you enjoy that let you your body feel that thing remember the tear concept when you thought dominate your heart it will release emotion in your body all right so now you're embracing this truth and enjoy the feeling it gives you just relish in it now what do you then need to do you need to repent the lie you need to go back and say well tragedy is not allowed to stay in my life because goodness and mercy is pursuing me praise god you go back to the lie and just change your mind repenting the lie repenting means to change your mind just say no i refuse to believe that in light of the truth that i now know you know that i have now released in my body i've enjoyed the feeling of what this truth means to me in my body i simply say i don't agree i don't expect tragedy to happen in my life since only goodness and mercies are from god are meant to pursue me they are already pursuing me praise god now let's replace the lie replace the lie this requires you to affirm and replace the lie with the truth of god's word so for example you can say boldly i am blessed coming in i am blessed going out i don't need luck i don't believe in faith i live by faith god's goodness and mercies push follow me or pursue me every day of my life i am safe under the shadow of god's covenant with me i am destined for god's great plan for my life in the name of jesus now this is an affirmation that you should do repeatedly throughout the day in light of this thought so anytime this thought comes through go through this process quickly get to the affirmation and rehash it but remember the key success of this principle is in the meditation when you have the word of god to counter the lie you must allow that word to paint pictures of the reality in your heart to the point where you feel that word be coming through your life you've enjoyed it all right once you enjoy it it is rewriting the dna of your body it's writing the pattern of your thought it's writing the 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 pattern of the negative thought it's taking it away and putting a new one there the way to allow the word of god or any word but for that matter to become a stronghold in your heart is through repetition so as you say this over and over and over again you are rewriting your mind you are rewriting your brain you are rewiring your brain praise god now the next step is to respond to the truth as you say this affirmation get a journal write in your journal what god is telling you how god is helping you the truth that god is revealing to you beyond what i've I've even shared here and begin to write that and the next step is just begin to rejoice in the truth as you do this brothers and sisters i guarantee you over a period of time you can begin to see that toxicity negativity will just flow out of your mind and that is how you have a sanctified mind praise god forevermore all right let us pray almighty god i just want to thank you for your people thank you for the opportunity to be able to share your word with them today thank you almighty god that this word will go into their heart will be will be will saturate their heart to the point where they can begin to live the truth that you have called them to in the name of jesus i pray for everyone on the call who may be suffering from anxiety and panic attack and uh, and, and uh, unworthiness that the, the truth of the word of god that they they are coming into right now and the one that they're going to f- go find in the bible by themselves will lead them onto higher ground in the name of jesus christ and that says put the seven hours to use father i thank you that they will see result because your word never fails thank you heavenly father in jesus name we pray all right thank you very much for again another day 
hanging out with me and hanging out with the Holy Spirit. I just want to thank you very much. If you if you feel like to give to the church, you will see a link on the on the screen. Please feel free to give, and the Lord bless you. So until next time, remember, you are blessed and highly favored, and deeply loved by our Father. God bless you, and I'll speak to you another time. spoke a word you were singing over me you have been so so good to me before I took a breath you breathed your life in me you have been so so kind to me
is a total transformation that has taken place on the inside of every person who becomes born again. Now, you can see this in many places, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, the scripture there says, If any person is in Christ, they are a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And the next verse says, And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us unto God by himself. The Lord has totally changed you. It says, Old things have, past tense, passed away, all things, present tense, reality, right now, have become new. And all things are of God. Now, if you don't understand this concept of spirit, soul, and body, you are instantly setting yourself up for confusion and frustration and ultimately unbelief. Because you can tell by process of elimination that this is not talking about your physical body. If you were fat before you got saved, you'll still be fat after you get saved. Your body didn't instantly pass away and all things become new. And your soul is also not the part of you that got saved. Because if you were stupid before you got saved, you'll still be stupid after you get saved. If you were depressed, if you didn't know math before you got saved, you will still be depressed. And you just don't instantly know math after you get saved. The soul is not changed. So by process of elimination, you can say it's not your body and it's not your soul. And so that leaves your spirit. Your spirit is a part of you that got totally changed at salvation. When a person makes Jesus Christ their Lord, there is instantaneous change that takes place. And yet that scripture in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says it isn't in process, but it's already done. It's an accomplished fact, a done deal. And if you don't understand that that change takes place in the spirit and has to work its way out into the soul and the body, then you are going to instantly come into unbelief and begin to say, but it didn't change. I'm still the same. And it may cause some people to seriously doubt whether they were ever saved. But your spirit is right now as perfect, as mature, as complete as Jesus is. But when you get born again, your spirit gets elevated. It gets recreated to where it's literally, the Bible says in Galatians chapter 4, that God sends forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. It's literally, when you get born again, your spirit passes away. The old spirit is taken out. It dies, is what the scripture says in Romans chapter 6. And God places within you the spirit of his son. That's what it says again in Romans chapter 8, verse 9. It says, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In other words, you aren't truly born again unless you receive God putting the spirit of his son in your heart. The spirit of Jesus has come to live inside of every born again person. And your spirit and the spirit of Jesus have intermarried. They've merged. They've become one so that. You are now a totally brand new person and the identity and the holiness, the makeup of your spirit is identical to Jesus. John 4, 24, Jesus said this. He said, God is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. He said, you must worship him in spirit and in truth. So how can holy God fellowship with unholy man? Even at our very best, we still fall short of God's standards. 
Well, the way it happens is, is that when you put faith in Jesus, you become born again, and in your spirit, you become a brand new creature that is righteous and holy. You are as pure and holy in your spirit as Jesus is because it's his righteousness that has been given unto you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, it says that Jesus is made unto us wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Jesus has become our righteousness. And then as you get your soul in agreement with what is already transpired in your spirit, then you see the physical benefit. Your spirit has to flow through your soul to get into your body, into the physical world. The soul has a valve on it. And basically, that is the function of your mind, your mental, emotional part, the soulish part of you. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead already indwells every born-again believer. But if your mind is like a valve, and if it's closed to that, if it doesn't embrace that truth and renew its mind and get to where what you see in the Word of God in the spiritual mirror if that doesn't become more real to you than what you see in your physical mirror, then it's possible for this resurrection life that's in your spirit to be completely shut off, just like you would shut the valve on a faucet. And you say, but I feel sick. My body hurts. The doctor says I'm dying. Here's my medical record. And if those things dominate you, that soul can shut off that power so that not one drop of God's life-giving power ever touches your physical body, and you can die sick having the resurrection life of God on the inside of you. And, of course, you can apply that to every area of your life. You can have depression in you. You can have uh, anger and bitterness when the whole time in your spirit there is love, joy, and peace, as it says in Galatians 5.22. So the critical part of you is actually the soul. And the rest of the Christian life is renewing of the mind. And as we do that, then the physical body will experience the benefit. The rest of the Christian life is a renewing of the mind. And as we do that, then the physical body will experience the benefit. Here's another scripture that says this in Romans chapter 12, verse 1. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. In verse 2, it says, don't be conformed to this world. The word conform there means to be poured into the mold of. In other words, there's pressure from the world, from the devil, from unbelievers, from circumstances. You can't go through life without being pressured. You come into this life innocent and pure, but you don't exit that way just automatically. You're going to be melted, but you get to pick what mold you fit into. That word transformed in the Greek is the word metamorpho, and it's the word we get metamorphosis from, the process where a little worm spins a cocoon and then comes out a butterfly. If you want that kind of transformation, 
change, metamorphosis, so that you begin to start in your physical and emotional realm changing from the bitter, hurtful person, from the sick person, from the defeated person into the victorious person that God wants you to be. If you want that kind of change, the way it happens, Romans 12, 2 says, is by the renewing of your mind. How do you renew that mind? It's through the Word of God. God's Word tells you what is spiritually true. It gives you new values, new attitudes, and you have to conform yourself to what God's Word has to say about you. The knowledge of God's Word is critical. You've got to have it. But you've got to have the understanding of that knowledge, the application of it. In other words, knowledge is like taking food and putting it in your mouth. It's the first step. But you know what? You actually have to swallow that food, and your body has to start digesting it before all of the nutrients and the benefit in that food begins to release into your body. The knowledge of God is important, but it's only important if you can understand it, if you can begin to release the life that's in it. In Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 17, he says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk, in the vanity of their mind. Now, the word Gentile here is talking about a non-Jew. The way we would express this today is say, don't walk like a lost man, a person that doesn't have a relationship with God. If you don't begin to start thinking spiritually minded instead of carnal minded, then you will shut off the flow of the life of God through you. A scripture that goes along with this is Romans 8, 6. And that verse says, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Carnal mindedness doesn't mean necessarily sinful mindedness. Now, all sin is carnal, but not all carnality is sin. The word carnal literally means of the five senses. In other words, don't let your mind be dominated only by what it can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. You can perceive reality beyond that. Your soul can, through faith, you can believe the Word of God, and you can, you can believe things that you can't see. In other words, you could do it like a mathematical formula. Spiritual mindedness equals life and peace. Carnal mindedness equals death. This isn't talking about only physical death, but depression is death. Uh, death is anything that's a result of sin, whether it's the ultimate physical death of your body or if it's talking about the slow death of emotional sadness, loneliness, bitterness, anger, all of those things. So it says that if you walk like a Gentile, then you aren't using your mind for spiritual things. You're just dominated by the natural. That produces a darkening of the understanding. And then it says being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance of that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. If you are dominated by physical, natural things instead of by spiritual truth, it alienates you from the life of God. And this is what's happened with most of us. We have not thought the way God thought. Here's a scripture in Philemon. Paul wrote this to a friend of his, Philemon, and he prayed a prayer for him. And in verse 6, Philemon chapter 1, verse 6, he prayed that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now, this is a radical statement. He says the communication, the release or transfer of your faith may become effectual. The word effectual means it just begins to work, begins to be productive. And how does that happen? He said by the acknowledging 
of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. He didn't say that your faith begins to work by getting more faith, by going to God and getting a new anointing, a double portion, getting more of God. See, those are concepts that you'll hear often, but the truth is that's not reality. There is a process of renewing the mind. It's not instantaneous. It's not just one thought that changes your life. But this one thought is so radical, it would begin the process. And there, there is patience and there's a growth in the soulish realm, understanding, maturing. But if you just believe that one truth, how radically that would change our lives. You do have the potential to believe it. You can renew your mind. And if you will renew your mind, then you can be transformed and to where you will prove, manifest to your physical senses the good, the acceptable, and the perfect will of God. If you will embrace the things that we've talked about, you can get to where you start seeing this perfection that came into your spirit at salvation begin to start flowing out through your soul and through your body to where it not only impacts you physically, but it'll even flow out beyond you and touch other people. And you can see virtue flow out of you the way that Jesus did, and see other people healed. And it has now given me a different attitude that gives me a, a confidence and a security and a belief that allows me to confront problems and overcome problems that I wasn't able to confront before. I believe that this same teaching will do the same thing for you. I encourage you to, to recognize the importance of what we've talked about. I've only scratched the surface We've got more teaching that we're going to be doing on this. I'm going to be saying it so many different ways that, praise God, I believe you're going to get it. And I just praise God. I believe that this truth will set you free the way that it has impacted my life.